two, three, four. In this podcast, you will only hear Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader, includes but is not led to who talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the jump that follows this song, but hey, we give it a try. So here's the Knights of Vader. Crystal Fox reports they are divided. For equal sequel, hate and love they fight I know that we are just musicians hired. And their time is up, so here's the Knights of Vader. Most impressive. A big thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. It is January 19th, 2020. My name is Zach Weber, and I am joined by professional podcast host, Zenger. So I found the other day at Walmart a Revenge of the Jedi poster, and I feel like that's ruining my childhood because, like, if you were able to get one of those, like, back in the day, you were the coolest person. Now you just walk into Walmart and buy them, and I feel like that's robbing like the cool people of some awesome stuff. That's actually weird. Now that you mention it, the idea of selling a, a mass produced reprint of something that's meant to be super exclusive. Yeah. Like don't get me wrong. Like any like poster collector could spot that from a mile away, but it's just the idea. Like that's so like, I, is there another example of that? Like you can think of for like pop culture where you would have like a it's not misprint misprint's not the right word but kind of like something that's something that, that came out before like stuff was official or uh, do they do a movie poster for that one movie that they reshot that had, um what's his name in it you have to be a little uh, more specific oh god the one guy from uh, House of Cards oh Kevin Spacey yeah the one that they like completely reshot oh. all of his scenes with somebody else like a poster with him on the cover of it. That's a completely di- yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a different situation, but it's still something to where like. But no, but I remember that movie. It was all the money in the world. That was like yeah. the, the, the 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 Getty fortune and all that movie. Um, yeah, like that. That's a weird. I, yes, that's a. By the way, people, example. this is not the topic for today. I just remembered that as we started the record. <laughs> no, but that's a shame point you bring up, though. Because I'm trying because somebody who as somebody who collects posters, I'm trying to think of another example like that. And I, the only thing I could think of. Was I know when they switched the release date for Avengers Infinity War from like oh, the first yeah. weekend of May to the last weekend of April, and all the posters for the uh, the teaser posters had like, had to be switched. And I guess I know if you have an Avengers Infinity War teaser poster that says April, I know that's infinitely rarer than the ones that say May because the May I have one that says May. So I uh, I don't think they they usually don't mass produce teaser posters like, you, like the kind that you would find at like a Walmart or a Target, but I, I honestly can't think of another example like that in, in movie posters where a uh, something that was recalled would then like almost forty years later be mass produced to that sort of level. But that's Star Wars for you. It is. On that note, the greatest movie poster, in my opinion, which I probably should order one because I'm like, why don't I already own this, is the Evil Dead 2 movie poster. The skull, right? Yes, the skull one. That is the greatest movie poster, in my opinion. It's simple, it's awesome, and it's super cool. That's not even the movie. It, it isn't, and that's the best part. <laughs> super cool. Also, we all know that's not Bruce, like a dunup of Bruce Campbell's. Um... Skull because that shin is not big enough. 
this week we are do, we are concluding the Colin Madman Trevorrow's episode nine discussion. Last We're on week, the biggest well, tangent. Indeed, the best kind of tangent. A person that should not be allowed near a uh, a, a director's camera is making films. You know what, Zach? Thinking about it, I may have made the most poignant. Uh, point at the beginning of this by pointing out that Revenge of the Jedi poster because that's yeah. a title that never got put in a movie and this is a movie that never got to be a movie. There you go. But it did get to be a track listing on the Phantom Menace soundtrack. On the Phantom Menace? You mean on the Rise of Skywalker? No. This is the, Okay. Last week we talked about this and I'm not sure if it's in the article that I shared with Zanger, but Colin Trevorrow's episode nine was going to be titled Duel of the Fates. Oh no, I, I figured that. But I thought there was also a track in the the uh, Rise of Skywalker that was Duel of the Fates too. No, that's Phantom Menace. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought I thought I thought they reused it again. So Oh, did they? Okay, I, no. I, I thought they not. did, so that is my mistake. Oh, what, what a novice. Get out of here, you novice. You God. casual. Oh, I'm so casual. So I'm so casual. casual. I'm wearing jeans on Friday at work. <laughs> um, but no, so last week Rob and I talked about the uh, one script from Colin Trevorrow's episode nine. This week we are talking about the one that's from – actually, I, I don't even know. Okay, J- this is from MakingStarWars.net from Jason Ward. I think Jason Ward claims that this script is the one that was the latest draft. It's the final draft. The one that's covered by Robert Meyer Burnett, which we covered last week, was an earlier draft that I think we said numerous times was written sometime in December of 2016, or at least it was finalized in December of 2016. So just for reference, this episode, we're discussing a script that came out months after that. Before we get into this... Have we talked to you since you saw Rise of Skywalker for a second time? No, we did. Oh, we did. Okay. Oh, did yeah, with we? Chris. Yeah, with Chris. Yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. Have you seen it again since then? Is this is this a competition thing? No. Oh, no. You, oh, no. If you want that, go listen to mine. Okay. Go ahead, Zenger. Plug it. Plug him. Oh, you mean you mean friend of the show, John Justice? Um uh, my my nerd world author of Embark um and soon and the soon to be released uh, not Treasure in Darkness that was the second one the Vanishing War also check him out on um, the <laughs> January twenty third episode of Zingness uh, episode one hundred and eighty four where there is a full episode interview with him as well where you might get some answers to why I always do this whenever his name comes up. Yes, but I do want to point out there is a chink in the armor of Zenger's intro to Mr. Justice. It's no longer just my nerd world, Zenger. It's, it's now positively Star Wars. And actually, if you listen to the interview, it is explained by the man himself on why that is. Yes, so we, we have to add that now to the list of ways we introduce, and we now have another three words to add. Yes. It rolls off the tongue so easily. It rolls um, off the tongue so easily. If we're going to have a contest about who's seen The Rise of Skywalker, every week I listen to John. He was in the double digits when I recorded (laughs) with him, and that was, I think, a week ago. I know. Every week I listen, it keeps going up higher. Like, after a while, we're going to read on the news. Like, local man arrested in theater for refusing to leave Rise of Skywalker showing. (laughs) It's like, oh, no, John. The Blu-ray's coming out in a couple of days. It's all right. Um, But no, John knows where we're just teasing him in good fun. 
Um, but no, John, John's got me beat easily by, I'd say, what, triple? I think he's at 10. <laughs> I think he's at 10, so he's um, five times more than me. My overall point was, uh, any difference of opinion on the film since we last talked about it, or anything, anything that stands out? There, there is something that, that crossed my mind, I have not gotten a chance to talk about it since it crossed my mind is I, I always was saying, I think that the term Skywalker will replace um, Jedi. I think that that was going to be the new thing, and it never was. I don't think that's what the case is, but I'm wondering if her taking the name Skywalker was sort of an homage to that that's, like, she's taking it to carry on that legacy more of than the Ben Solo thing. Okay, what do you mean by that? That, like, because the two the, people the that appeared... Part. Hmm? Uh, the last part, I, I understood the first part of that about like continuing on like the like the legacy of like the Jedi, but just kind of uh, what's the word rebranding is Skywalker. Yeah. yeah so what do you mean by that second part? Like, where I, like I, I guess that's why people assume that she took Ben. Like, but then why didn't she go by? I don't know. That, that that whole scene is confusing and needs at least some vague explanation to it. I feel. Yeah. Because I feel like since we only see the two of them that are Skywalkers, that that's why she refers to herself as Skywalker to carry on that, the legacy of, you know, the force users that trained her. I promise we will get to the Colin, Batman, Trevorrow stuff, but I had a theory. We need to keep talking about stuff that we can't prove indefinitely. Or hold on, wait, let me check if some YouTube channel has had Disney confirms why she said Skywalker. That, that, that probably exists. (laughs) <laughs> that probably exists um, But I had a theory I haven't seen it anywhere else Is that I know in our initial Rise of Skywalker review I kind of had the idea Or the theory that When we do have like episode 10 And Zanger do you agree with the notion that At least in the next 10 to 15 years we will get Episode 10 Do you I feel that's more... coming at some point I'm not saying Immediate but I mean like at least 10 years from now I mean that they they have to scrape through the bottom of the barrel, I think, because they they made a huge point of that. This is it. Well, the, so okay, they are doing episodic. Well, Revenge of the Sith was the last film, and Return of the Jedi was the last film. Every film was the last film. You know, it wasn't the last film. Solo. The <laughs> way Disney's looking at Star Wars, and they probably wish it would have. Um, uh, but no, so I have this theory. That when Kylo, I'm sorry, when Ben Solo transfers his life essence into Ray, and the, it's the specific hand placement on Ray's like oh, lower torso, and I was thinking like, okay, could she be carrying his child or something like that? And I thought, okay, and I know I read some stuff on Twitter. Someone's like, oh. Ray's the one who initiates the kiss with him, so there's no way that Ben would impregnate her without her consent. And I'm not looking at it that way, uh, what I'm about to say, but I had the idea of going back to The Phantom Menace when Qui-Gon Jinn is talking to Shami Skywalker and goes, who was the father? And she goes, there was no father. Who's to say that at some point in Shami Skywalker's life... She had an interaction with some very powerful force user that maybe something happened. Again, there's nothing to base this on. This is my own conjecture. 
that maybe that's how she became pregnant with Anakin. This is an idea. I have no. I'm just putting that out there, and that's another. And guess what? When we do get the, in my opinion, the inevitable episode ten, that's how they connect it back, and it's that Ray has now. She's. It, they are Skywalkers because in through any sort of just Star Wars gobbledygook, the nonsense they can explain away with some lines of dialogue. It's just the notion of maybe that's how Anakin was conceived. That way, I'm just. Nothing to base that off of. Just saying that it makes sense considering that Shami does say that line of like, there was no father. It was just kind of, he was there one day. The problem is, I'm having trouble with this because you actually have put enough logic behind it that me poking a hole in it is something I really can't do. It's just an idea. I, I'm not married to and it. And, it's, and it's, 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 it's a good one. It's better than, you know, going off on a tangent about the ancient Sith prophecy about Mace Windu. What? Well, I'm just is, saying. I mean, that's a that's a more inter- that's a more interesting topic than the the lightsaber crystal Yoda said should never have been used. How many how many views do these videos have? You don't want to know. <laughs> more than Knights of Vader has his entire lifetime of existing. More than we'll ever have in just one of them. Real quick, I want to give a special shout out. I know last week I spent, I my God, like twenty minutes to a half an hour on a rant about the Mister Dillywood and his nasty review of, of me and the podcast. But actually, within the last couple hours, we were we re, re, eh, we received a comment review on Podbean from Mister Normock saying, "Great podcast. The host of the show brings such an amazing mix of fact and humor to the world of Star Wars. Zach has such a wealth of knowledge on both the inside track and and, and of Disney now in general. I only wish we could get more than one a week. I know you guys have other podcasts and things going on. How much I do love you here. So, Mr. Normock, thank you very much. For every- yes, thank you for that. Yes, much like the force itself, with uh, with ra- rising darkness, there is equal light to match it. So, much obliged to all of you, not just Mister Normock. I know we have a bunch of reviews, and to everybody at the Facebook group, Instagram, uh, the couple people that follow me on Twitter, that shoot us emails, uh, especially you guys. I love you guys. Never stop emailing me. Um, it is appreciated. So, Zenger. With all that being said, um, are we ready to talk about episode nine? The duel of the fates. I I would I am excited to do this. This is this is the most confusing thing. And I actually yes. did fully read this a day ago and was prepped to talk about this the other day. And and sadly I got my dates mixed up. But I'm still ready today. So Zach actually has a fully prepared zinger for once. Whoa. This is kind of like the, the equivalent of a solar eclipse, folks. You better put your special goggles on because <laughs> don't look directly <laughs> into into what I'm about to tell people. Uh-uh. Uh, for more reasons than one. So, uh, no, going back to Making Star Wars, the title of this article is I Read Colin Trevorrow and Derek Connolly's Final Star Wars Episode Nine Script. Once again, this is from Making Star Wars. We'll link to it in the show notes. It, it should be pointed out that I know on Twitter, Jason Ward had a couple... Uh, he kind of prefaced it with, like, apologize on some of the poor grammar and spelling errors... So we're going to kind of stumble through this because a lot of when you read this, it comes across as the uh, the ramblings of a serial killer. So we're going to do our best to kind of connect dots for you. Oh, I, I read that. I read it with everything like, nope, he meant it this way. 
So that may be why I'm very confused and also writing a manifesto. Sure. Um, but the other thing, too, is that much like what Rob and I said last week, and the same goes for here as well, is that we are reading somebody else's interpretation of a script. A lot of things can change between script to final product if this film ever got ever was the one to be made instead of the one we got in the last month or so. So if we do judge it, it's not entirely fair. And at the same time, though, many things can be lost in translation. But when it comes to something like this, you just kind of have to just take what information you can what, yeah, you, you take the information you can get and just run with it. So we're not being harsh. We're just calling it as we see it. Right, Zanger? Right. Also, I would like to um, to point out just 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 ahead of time, real quick, that I do enjoy Rise of Skywalker. I enjoyed the movie. All my jokes made at the expense of that movie or this script are made purely in the sense of humor. And the only reason I'm doing it is because I don't want someone to take my stuff out of context. Like you can take something like why Qui Gon Jinn can't appear as a Force ghost. Can an explanation? <laughs> I just need to click away from this. I think I had to put some like blocks on. Like download one of those like browser. <laughs> extensions that like blocks the word star wars <laughs> <laughs> you, you really should because just some of these videos uh, anyways i know i i know i'm gonna make some wisecracks i just want everyone to know it's in good humor i, I know it's assumed but just in case it's not obvious yes all right so as we delve in um, uh, Jason Ward has all these plot points broken down by like number i think it goes from all the way from starting at one Oh, no, there's and, bullet points, too. There are the differences. Well, um, I'm not getting into those. We're not going to. I read all of them. Okay, going down now. Yes. W- one to 95. So first is, and I guess we'll read these, and then we'll stop and take breaks, and we want to comment on them. Yes. All right. Cool beans. Much like last week. Uh, number one, the crawl. The first order is everywhere. Kylo Ren is on a quest to dig up ancient dark side stuff, and the Knights of Ren search for Rey. The resistance plan a secret mission to fire to fire to light the fire <laughs> to light the fire of revolution. Okay, this is gonna be harder than I thought it was. Um is this, right. is, is, is this was this written by Saddam? It's 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 we might reveal who Saddam actually <laughs> is. Um all right, number two, basic plot. The transmission has been jammed and the resistance can't communicate. Once the friends steal a cache of weapons from the First Order, they prepare to attack the capital of the First Order once Rey goes to the Jedi Spire of Osis and sends a message out to the galaxy to join them in the fight. Kylo Ren is trying to kill Rey so he can finally be fully on the dark side. Uh, The film opens on a First Order space station uh, around Kuat. BB-8 is undercover on a mission with Rose. They are working at disabling a security checkpoint for their friends to arrive. There's an orbital ring that looms in the sky that destroyers dock into like spikes on a punk bracelet. Okay. So is this an orbital ring around the planet or is it just a ring out in space? Because either way, that'd be cool to see. That's something I don't think we've... uh, It's kind of in the Star Wars Battlefront 2. There's a map. Yeah, Fondor. Yeah, that has one. But there's also like the, the... the shipyards that are actually mentioned a few times in different media. And it was supposed to be a ring around the center of the planet where that's how they built star destroyers and the super star destroyers. And it's something we never got to see. And I'm like, that would be awesome to see as just this, like 
once again to see Star Destroyers doing non-space stuff. I think it'd be very cool to see like them being built and everything, even if it is first order ones. Yeah, no, I, I I think it's an interesting idea. It's certainly different in the sense of it's visuals we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. I I know last week Rob and I talked about Kuat. It's it's one of those things where it's it's for hardcore fans. It's a popular. It would be an easy thing to go to. But my thing is, I don't know how the filthy casuals respond to it. That feels like it's not a. It's interesting in the sense of like seeing it from a distance. It kind of is reminiscent of the Shield Gate in Rogue One. That fight. Oh. It, it's it's not it's not even a fair apples to apples comparison, but it's the idea of it's interesting as a concept to Star Wars nerds. But when you watch it in Rogue One, it's just a bunch of fighters just shooting stuff into a barrier. It's it's one of those things where I don't know. You probably get one or two good establishing shots of it, but I don't know how dynamic it's going to be because what did what's described later in the uh, uh, outline is that we get it's mostly just interiors of our gang of heroes trying to blow it up or damage it. So if you're not really having any sort of space battle around it until maybe the final part of the sequence. Hmm. Feels like it'd be a, a bunch of just people running around corridors outside of those few establishing shots. And according to this, uh, Kuat and Fondor were two of them that, that are listed. Sure. Yeah, yeah sounds about I, right. I, I thought there was another one for some reason, but... It probably is. I, I wouldn't be... Because I know Kuat's been, the again, the, the maker of starships forever, or more capital ships. I feel like Fondor is coming to mind, but I'm like, that's probably from something completely different. Fondor was, was really showed up, I think, for the first time in Battlefront 2. Yeah. But yeah, I swear there is one to where it's to where it is like like imagine Saturn's ring, but it's making Star Destroyer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 a cool visual. It's just I I feel like after a while it's like where where do you like unless you have that space battle component or that scale of just the opening scene of seeing it. Yeah, I feel like after that, it's like, oh, this is really neat looking. You don't get that sort of like uh, visual flair, like the opening of the Rise of Skywalker, where you have like, okay, they're in the giant ice palace city, and they're flying through the different caverns. Then we go light speed skipping across all these different worlds. It's a very static environment. Yeah. I mean, this would you would assume there'd be a lot of, you know, ships moving around, stuff like that, if you wanted to make it feel lived in and everything. Which just seems like your budget's going through the roof. Yeah, I think I even it's funny you mentioned that last week. I said like it seems like a very expensive opening sequence. Yeah. All right, continuing on on the Kuat Moon, Finn is disguised as an alien worker who is under the reign of First Order stormtroopers. But when he's getting found out, a road Poe comes to assist them, him as they wait for BBA to disable the weapons checkpoint. After a close call, they get through. Rose has been waiting for them for six weeks when Finn and Poe arrive. She tells them her plan. Oh, God, this is going to be hard to read. She tells them her plan on how to detonate a chain reaction that will destroy the orbital ring, which will include the fleet of new destroyers. Rose wants to take out the enemy's fuel source and be light years away before they know they've been hit. Their plan uses BB-8 and they have obstacles, but the bomb goes off early. They're trapped, about to be killed by the troopers, when Ray shows up with a double-bladed lightsaber and saves them. They didn't Woo! know she was following them. 
we, we, we cheer then? I, I guess. I guess you kind of yeah. say, oh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, the double blade lightsaber, why not? I have no problem with that. But doesn't have an interesting design to it, which we will get to in a minute. Yes, we will. Ray sees the migrant uprising and wants to help with her force powers, but Poe and Rose want her to go with them and follow their plan. She ignores them and goes to help the migrants, but the TIE fighters blast at them. Ray has to give up what she wants to do, save the migrants, and escape with her friends for the future good of the galaxy. There's an idea that the migrants and kids see that Ray's a Jedi and are reverent of her in the Fallen Order. It, it seems like it's kind of playing off of the whole, like, raise the new symbol of hope in sure. everything. Kind of kind of like they did in Last Jedi, where, like, the Force is something that's, that's, you know, there and that, you know, the spark of rebellion throughout the galaxy. If I remember correctly, that's totally abandoned in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, it's it's abandoned even in East Drafts too. It seems like what the ending of the Last Jedi with whole all of Luke's thing is more or less kind of just ignored. Yeah, which is again, I they can do whatever they want. I, it's a little disappointing, but it's yeah. That, I think that's the easiest way to say it. The idea of her wanting to help a bunch of people and her friends don't want her to because they feel like she's too important. I I that kind of runs contradictory to everything we know about Finn Poe and in uh Rose. It's Consum- not the Jedi way. That's what I mean though, is that like it seems like in every other moment in Star Wars, they always are willing to help people, especially Rose. After yeah. like helping the 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 Fafiers on Canto Bite, for them to kind of just tell her to walk away from people in need, that that seems odd. Or out of character, I guess is the right word or phrase. For multiple term. characters. Yeah. Moving on, uh, the friends decide to to escape a star on a star destroyer. Poke and fly anything. To get there, they have a ride to Turbo Lift, which is made for droids. The G Force almost crushes their bodies. On the fueling dock, they take a glide rover to the Eclipse Destroyer. Admiral Vaughn realizes they are getting on an empty destroyer. Okay, so there's a few things to unpack here that I just want to talk about real quick. Um, I feel the Poe can fly anything was like directly lifted from like him saying that in the scene. Probably. And um, the turbo lift of them like getting smacked against the wall would just be, once again, another amusing... Once again, do we need humor in Star Wars? Mm. But this would be just them getting like, wait, this is a... This is only for droids, and then them getting slammed against the wall as it goes up. Yeah. But they're in space. Why is gravity? Uh, but the mention of the fact that it is referred to as the Eclipse Destroyer is very, very interesting because that is Palpatine's like personal superstar destroyer in canon. But the weird thing and in Legends, it's a freaking weird, like giant, like piece of cheese flying through space yeah but like we we mentioned that last week too but the one thing i didn't bring up is it wouldn't be the the one that you're thinking of it would be like a first order version of that it would be and that makes me sad but that's the weird thing though is that like if you are going to do an eclipse star destroyer you're doing it 
in a way that it's not at the end of the day really an Eclipse Star Destroyer. Because think about it, the First Order Star Destroyers are definitively different from the Imperial ones. They look dumb. <laughs> but so I don't know what like when they say Eclipse style, I feel like that's just there as like. Because I would imagine even in the film itself, if they made this, they wouldn't be saying, oh, there goes that Eclipse Star Destroyer. It would just be kind of something that would be referenced in like ancillary media, like the visual dictionary, the art of book. It feels like an, instead of just calling it like in the uh, like the Last Jedi, you had the First Order Dreadnought. They could have very easily called that ship a First Order Eclipse Star Destroyer. And at the same day... That's an Eclipse Class Star Destroyer. Exactly. So at the end of the day, you're just kind of lab- It can't be the same thing based on the difference of designs. So you're only calling it that because fans will recognize that. And, and you want to know what else the Eclipse Star Destroyer could do in Legends? Blow a plant? Yes, it could. <laughs> and the laser well, on that could do that. Well, come on. There's a reason why Madman Trevorrow and Connolly got their names in the credits <laughs> for The Rise of Skywalker. JJ definitely pulled from their scripts. It's pretty obvious. Yes. Ray uses the force to get the crewmen on the destroyer to take them to the Neuronian system. They barely get out of the docking station as Poe is struggling to fly the dreadnought. BB-8 has to get to them on his maintenance shuttle. Ray wants them to go to light speed, but it's risky, yet they pull it off. Did I miss who Admiral Vaughn is? Is that just a new character just, for this? Just, just the First Order Admiral. Okay. That we never okay, seen cool. before. I, I want to make sure because there's a few names that pop up in this that I'm like, is this something I'm supposed to know about? There's a lot of that as we go forward. There's a lot of character uh, yeah, names. Yeah, there, there's there's a lot more. And speaking of characters we want to know more about. Knife Nine is a ship belonging to the Knights of Ren. We are introduced to the Knights with names and everything. Admiral Vaughn gives them an update, but they are placed but they are placed the location cipher on BB-8 so they can track Ray. Then Vaughn is killed by them. <laughs> I, so I, I just imagine they're introduced and it's like they, they all like, you know, world their weapons and stuff as each room is said, you know, name is spoken and everything. And they just kill the guy. <laughs> Hi, I'm Admiral Vaughn. That's a funny way to spell dead. I didn't say dead, <laughs> thwack. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's goofy. On okay, now we get to on Remicor, which, like Rob said last week, is spelt differently every single time it's referenced in this article. We meet an 11 year old Dade. He is a street worn and alone amidst the First Order that patrols the First Order capital. Chancellor Hux looks down the city. He tells Lord Gurlid, a disgusted alien, that the resistance is almost vanquished. But the alien believes the youth are on the verge of revolt. Once again, that theme of revolt pops up. Also, I know this was mentioned earlier, but Hux is Hux is in this, not a spy, just a total, you know, lunatic as usual. Chancellor. Chancellor. Sure. Just put whatever <laughs> title you want in front of it. Um by by the way, you will refer to me as Lord Zinger on this podcast from now on. Okay. Someone See, that's how to- that works. Someone needs to go to a fan convention where Dom Hall Gleason is at and ask him to say the line, I'm the chancellor, just like how he says the line, I'm the spy in the <laughs> Skywalker. Perfect. So, someone needs to do that. Um, if you do, please comment down below. All right. 
the aliens talk about how they want the last hope of the Jedi, Ray, to be killed. A Darth Maul-like character, Solany Wren, with Kylo gone, Hux and the others have to listen to Solany Wren. Who's Solany Wren? Why is Solany Wren important? Do they matter? Why are we going back to Maul-like people? We already have two of them that are ignored. I okay, because last week Rob and I talked about a Darth Maul esque droid accompanying Kylo Ren somewhere, and we kind of didn't know what that meant. And considering that this script came later after the one we discussed last week, could this character possibly be like a? Are we talking about an organic creature or maybe a robot character or a droid character? Okay. So when it says a Darth Maul-like character, are we assuming something from that same species? Or are we assuming someone that stands there hooded, like, just keeps repeating, what, what is the line? Um, we will reveal ourselves as a Jedi. We will have our revenge. It seems like a character that's just kind of like a first lieutenant that's just there for a bat. It's like, we, we need a character for an action sequence, B, but we don't have anybody for our protagonist to fight. Well, uh, we'll write a new character, Solony Wren. And it just, it feels like a character that's just being grafted on for the sake of an action sequence, which I think comes later in the film. Yep, it does. So yes, we have Solony Wren, who I guess is the uh, de facto leader when Kylo's not around. Sure. Sure, okay. There's going to be a lot in this episode, folks. A lot of the use of the word sure in that exact like, tone. <laughs> um, all right, next. Kylo travels to Morban to a Sith temple with ancient statues. Uh, Snoke has him follow a message to find the hologram of Darth Plagueis. So is Luke? Snoke alive? No, I think it's probably a message. Probably some, probably okay, some sort of I'm distractions like, and death. I'm like, why is he still following Snoke unless this is something Snoke wanted him to do before he killed him? Get a flashback in there. Maybe. Uh, Luke shows up as a ghost to tell Kylo this is the path to an empty hollow tomb, but he doesn't listening. Opening the holocron, red force lightning attacks Kylo, and the damage spreads across his face. Oh, wait. That, that is, he doesn't listen. I, th- yeah, I thought you, you, you said he doesn't listening. And I was like, I wasn't. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. I, I, I assume from the writing of some of this that that was what it said. Oh, my bad. Yeah, Kylo Ren doesn't listen. Okay. Luke shows up as a ghost to tell Kylo that this is the path to an empty hollow tomb, but he doesn't listen. Opening the holocron, red force lightning attacks Kylo, and the damage spreads across his face. So so should I pull off this, this reveal this now? It's a lot of force lightning that's different colors in this whole thing, and I feel like there's meaning behind that, but I don't think this ever explains it. Well, we don't know. Again, like I said, we're, we're reading somebody else's abridged version of probably at least a 120-page script. Ray has a dream that connects her to Kylo. Finn talks to her about it. She's worried she's not strong enough, but the children, everyone believes in her. Poe is going to park the destroyer on a moon. Rose is dubious. Of him parking it? I guess. Okay. Uh, Poe finds weaponry on the ship, enough TIE fighters, walkers to take over the capital. Sorry. A little closer. I like, I like oh, I think imagine, you got it. I like to imagine it's the like the thing from SpongeBob when they're on the flying Dutchman. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, like like behind the rocks. You caught you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. It's, 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 it's flying everywhere. 
this guess I'll be all right, Captain. We can buff out those scratches. <laughs> As it's just like a like, like a shell of the ship. <laughs> Tie fighters are floating away. Like one of the engines is popping off. Oh God! Um, and I'll buff out. Because I can imagine like the Titanic at the bottom of the ocean, where it's like sunken into the ground. <laughs> Perfect. Like, like Rose, like Rose, like peeks her head out like one of the windows, and she like leans back in, and Poe is like, "Hey, at least we're flying half a ship. <laughs> now we can fly a moon." Uh, all right. Uh, Poe. Okay. They call back to the base, but Leia tells them they're under attack and they lose contact. All the bases are seemingly being attacked, and they can't get in contact with anyone. Ray tells them that they have to go back to the base. They have no choice. Kylo is on the verge of death when a group of Wommels. I'm assuming that this will be explained thoroughly later on. Sure. Uh, they save him and take him to their cave. He's moved by their selflessness. Yeah, Kylo's beats in this story don't make sense, but. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Poe, Finn, Rain, Rose's stolen TIE shuttle arrives from light speed to a battle on Korolev, where they find the last of the resistance in C3PO. The friends put Lay on the Falcon. So C3PO they- is not part of the resistance. <laughs> <laughs> the friends put Lay on the Falcon and they blow up the base as they leave, but not before a TIE crashes into a tower and destruction hits. Chewie barely gets Leia on board. Leia dies after she gives Ray a message. She fades away into the Force. Uh, Not really. You Mm. know what I think? You know what's so weird about this beat, though, is that it's so like reminiscent of what we just went through in the Last Jedi. Like, think about it. In that film, we had two. We have to escape from our base because the bad guys know where we are. Yeah. In the first, like third of this movie we already have another one of those like oh crap the bad guys know where we are also another infiltration mission too yeah well that with rose and bb8 that i get because it feels very similar to like the opening of return of the jedi that is true that's that's something again we're going back to why don't we just go go fish at that well that has nothing left in it but the same thing we catch every day well, see, it's, po- it's like why poetry. Why that terminology it worked? It's the it's like poetry. It rhymes thing. Because mm. even like, Star Wars bothers me sometimes. Yeah, but like even in the Rise of Skywalker, you gotta give them some credit because yes, we do have the moment where all of our heroes go on a little quest to like unravel the mysteries of the film. But at least JJ bypassed the opening of like, oh, we have to rescue somebody or rescue something. Like yes, they 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 get the stolen what the they get the message from the the resistance spy, but at least that doesn't feel anything like we have to rescue Han from Jabba's palace or we have to rescue the Chancellor from Grievous's flagship. Oh uh, yes. So you gotta give some credit. Like that's one thing that's that is refreshing about the Rise of Skywalker's. It doesn't open with that like first act of the final film in the trilogy of like oh we have to rescue someone from a locale. True. In the cave, Kylo can feel that his mother passed away. The Wommels are so kind that they calm his rage. Okay. Meanwhile, on the Falcon, they are hit by blasts. They try to get out of there. It's the Knife Nine ship with the Knights of Ren. 
Poe pushes the Falcon hard, and when they go to warp speed, they leave a trail of fire behind them. I think it's pretty obvious how the Rise of Skywalker was influenced from that. Just still imagine the Knife Nine when they're in the ship. They're all just standing there, like just in the ship, just standing there <laughs> posing. Like there's no chairs. It's just them standing there. And it just keeps cutting back to them just staring. It's kind of like the uh, the bounty hunter scene on in Empire Strikes Back. They just stand yeah. there. Yeah. Actually, actually, I'd like to point out that the Knights of Ren have been more of a part of this story than they were in the entirety of the trilogy that we got. Well, I don't know about that, though, because like, if you were to break down the Rise they, of Skywalker... They were named. They were named and killed somebody. Name one thing they did otherwise in the actual but no, trilogy. But I think, I think when they say that they were named, I think it's the same way they were named in the actual film Rise of Skywalker. They are named. Like they're named as the Knights of Ren. They're not named like, okay, here's Billy Joe Ren. Here's uh, Bobby Drake Ren. Here's uh, Billy Joe Bobby Frank Ren. I think it's the idea that they're just they're na- the same way in the Rise of Skywalker. I mean, like where it's like you have the two stormtroopers and they turn around and they're like that's the Knights of Ren. Like I think they, that's what they mean. I don't think they're. Why would they be highlighted like on individual level? It doesn't make any sense. No, it does because then they tell somebody who they are and then that's why they killed the guy. Because no one can know their actual names. And they say that at the end. And the guy's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think the Knights of Ren were never going to be a big presence in Episode Nine Because there's nothing there. Like, how would you... How could you use the Knights of Ren in Episode Nine in any sort of meaningful way without automatically being like, okay, they're just derivative of the Praetorian Guard? I mean, they they are. You could technically just put the Praetorian Guard in place of them, and it changes the movie in no way, shape, or form. I know. Except people would have been mad because they like just the idea of a bunch of, like, space derelicts. Again, the Knights of Ren are a cool visual. They're not meant to do anything of substance. That's, that's the, like, the Cash-22. They're, they're, they kind of fall under the same... My umbrella. God, they made a ton of Boba Fett's. Well, that, exactly. They're like Boba. Fett. Like Knights of Ren are in the same camp as Boba Fett and Captain Phasma. They're cool to look at from a distance, but the more the closer you get to them, you ruin them. My God, I'm unwrapping <laughs> everything in this episode. I know. Um, we're deconstructing the entire sequel trilogy. See, folks, in a couple, like, in a couple, God, Zenger, we could technically do it at the end of this year. We could do our fixing the Force Awakens episode. Yes. Um, As we know, I have perfectly fixed episode two. Uh, instead of watching episode two, just go listen to that episode that we did instead. It fixes we, it perfectly. There are no problems whatsoever. Singer, we didn't just fix episode two. We fixed it, the entire prequel yeah, trilogy. We did. I need to go back and listen to that and pat myself on the back. <laughs> All right. Uh, going back to the leaks, the Falcon crash lands in a frozen ocean. The group deals with rising waters as they sink in the ship and try to survive. So I'm Rick, assuming the ship has holes in it? I, Who knows? Maybe enough water just got, got over top of it. Because mm. mm. it should work. It's it's for space. How does yeah, it... <laughs> but it's the same plot. It, 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 the plot requires it to sink. It doesn't matter why. what, what happened to it. Hmm. Ray goes back to save the Jedi text in the Drowning Falcon. She uses her blue saber to break through a wall with Finn as they survive. Well, that's how water's getting in. <laughs> there you go. See, it's kind of like that one person with the porthole open on the Titanic. It's all your fault <laughs> the other day. Um, at Core, Kylo is in much worse shape, relying on droids to keep him alive. 
purple scars and burns. Solony Ren sees that Kylo found it. Their MacGuffin, quote unquote, the Sith holocron. Solony Ren, female, just now we're being told that she's female, tells Kylo that since he and Rey are both pupils of Luke, he needs to sever this connection to clear his fate to the dark side. Kylo gets a new, more savage mask closer to Vader's. Well, that's kind of what I think they've been implying with all this is that he's messed up and he's slowly becoming more Vader like. Yeah. In the sense of like his body's becoming broken and he's not like letting go of his anger. Sure. Yeah, I know what you're getting at. Uh, One thing I want to ask you, Zanger, in Mm. both this and the previous script, holocrons are the primary MacGuffins. Do you what theories do you have as to why in the actual Rise of Skywalker film they chose to use the term wayfinder over over holocron? It's despite it's, the fact that holocrons and wayfinders visually are almost identical to one another. Well, here's the thing: a wayfinder could be a type of holocron. I mean, that's kind of what I want. Because I'm like that. That is that is a holocron. There's no two ways about it. Like, the way it looks, everything about it, it's a holocron. But the whole, like, oh, it's a wayfinder, I'm like, okay, so maybe that's just a type of holocron? Then I just call it a holocron. Because maybe people won't understand that? That was that was my exact assumption yeah. last week. Um, all right, Ron. You know, because it's not been brought up in any other form of media at all. They sell them at goddamn Galaxy's Edge. They were they've been in like Star Wars games for years, then talked about forever. And it's not like there's some, I don't know, series involving wolves that talks about them numerous times. Or a new video game that has them in it. Or an old video game that has them in it. We're really not versed enough in these things for us to just call them a holocron. Part of it too, like okay, going to like the fact that he gets a, another helmet. Why does he need another it. helmet? Because he needs it to stay alive. Sure. I guess I can't argue with that. It's something to where it's helping him heal, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, because I know in the other leak, they say that it's, it's made of, like, Mandalorian armor. Oh. Yeah. Uh, interesting that it's not men- that's not mentioned in here at all. Um, all right. Meanwhile, on the frozen planet of Wavet, the French try to survive, and Chewie finds a broken-off piece of the radar dish from the Falcon. They can get a transmission out for help. That Cohen? radar dish has seen mo- all of those radar dish. Like, it's one of those things like you constantly replacing on a car. It's the like, equivalent it's- of the antenna. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, like you, you have a you have like a light bulb on a car that just keeps on going out. You're constantly replacing it. That is basically what the antenna is. And then you get a new different one. That one breaks off. And then you get a, then you get another round one. That one doesn't work. And then this one just flew off randomly. Well, it crash landed. I'm assuming it flew off before then. <laughs> Some reckless action. Yes. Okay, Poe and Finn talk about their complicated admiration for Ray, which ties into their funny relationship as brothers. It's specifically mentioned non-romantically. Okay, non-romantically towards Ray, non-romantically towards each other, or just Toward non-romantically. Yeah. Okay, no, no. I, I just, I'm like romance. I'm like, okay, what, what are we talking about here? Which is it towards Chewie? Is there a porg around that they're really attracted to? I need to know. It's <laughs> uh, funny. Um, angry, Ray beats up a piece of crashed spaceship when Force Ghost Luke appears to talk with her. Luke feels that he's losing her. She believes she's no one. So the last Jedi is dead. 
Ray believes that Kylo is drawn to the light, while Luke believes he can't be redeemed. Ray reveals that Leia asked her to end Kylo's pain. Luke gives her a lightsaber before he disappears. He says she won't be a Jedi until she faces Kylo. So is this the boomerang lightsaber that was talked about in uh, in the bullet points earlier? Maybe. Okay. I, she has I, like a boomerang shaped one, which I'm like, I don't understand that, but cool, whatever. I think I think what he meant by that, again, I don't know. There's a lot of this is up to Jason Ward's interpretation combined with there's a lot of just, he seems very scattershot when he's describing things here. Think of dark side Ray's lightsaber from the for, um, from the Rise of Skywalker. You know how that thing like bends in a very particular way. The AI, I, I like how it like she uses it to clap closed on somebody else's lightsaber to hold it. Well, that's the thing. Though, like, you think about that lightsaber, the way she's able to swing it from being like parallel to having double sided. If yeah. she stops that in a very specific angle, that could be a hypothetically speaking a boomerang lightsaber. You are correct. So maybe that's again that's the weird thing though. Is it all depends on like what people's like interpretation of this stuff is. Again, we're, we're getting a lot of this is second and third hand, so it's hard to judge it objectively. Couldn't okay. Dooku's be like vaguely boomerang shaped because it's kind of curved? Yeah, is, same is thing. the whole is the hilt curved? Maybe. I don't. Know. I mean, it, it's it's like we're we're reading this from somebody who like. As nerds, I feel we want more than this is giving us, and now we're irritated that it's not giving us the information we want. Yeah, like I said, I would imagine this. Maybe that's script, just me. I think these scripts will show up online eventually. If they're if they're so prevalent in, in certain corners of the fandom, they'll show up sooner or later. Maybe not in the next maybe six months, but they'll they'll show up soon. Um, and all of you will be signing petitions to to get this made instead. Oh no! Just like no. this. People that signed that petition to reshoot the last season of um, Game yeah, of Thrones. Yep. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. BB-8 has found a map in the Star Destroyer, proving the First Order knows where all the Resistance bases are. They're taking them out one by one. The Resistance needs to warn them, but the tr transmissions are jammed. Ray has a new goal at the midpoint. From the Jedi text, she learned of an ancient form of communication before the Old Republic, the Spire of Isis. A sacred Assuming that was supposed to be Osis again, but yeah, yeah, I know. A sacred chamber to prevent any Sith from using it. Only a Jedi may enter. Ray needs help, but she could maybe find the location of the spire. Poe knows an astromancer who helps Jedi. She works with the space digger. Poe wants to fight and heads <laughs> to the capital to cut off the head of the beast with their arsenal. They they split up. Ray, Poe, and Chewie will find the spire, and Finn Rose will go to Remnicor. Ray and Kylo have a forced connection talk. His face has healed. He feels his light. His calling for his mother when she died, and he feels Ray's darkness. Okay, uh, we'll pause there, and we'll come back to the rest of that. Um, so his face healed? I, uh, I guess. I thought he had to wear a mask because he was about to die. I, so that, that's, that's the thing. It keeps on fluctuating with that. And then he was also told that, you know, to kill Ray, he that's the only way he can become truly Sith. But he sensed Leia's death and he can sense Ray becoming darker. And he's becoming like there's a lot of again, I, I'm not judging the script here. I'm kind of judging judging who's writing this because it just seems like we go from okay. There's important points that are missing somewhere along the way. Well, I don't even know if it's important, but it's maybe like just like things aren't laid out as well as they should be initially. It's like what like 
I feel like this should instead of being done in a hundred bullet points, maybe just explain like what each character is feeling from the beginning, and then by like what's their character arc by the end of the film, and then you fill in the gaps with the plot points. Because it's like, okay, he wants to be evil, he wants to be evil, he goes somewhere where Luke tells him not to go, he goes in there, is like mortally wounded, he's comforted by a group of people, he has to wear a mask that's even more horrific, and then he's healed now, he's going to the light side. It's like, wait, wait, did the mask do that? So the mask isn't evil? Um... I, I feel like there's about like 40 pages of script that are just kind of just excised. Jumped over. Yeah. Or condensed. Again, think about it. You're dealing with a hundred plus page script that's being condensed into a hundred bullet points. Like again, I understand things are going to be lost, but it's like, come on, we need, we need a little bit more. Well, that gets more confusing in like two or three long, I mean, two or three bullet points from here. Oh yeah. Boy does it. Cause keep in mind folks, we're roughly a third into this right now. I think I hinted at this last week a little bit. I'm going to delve into it more now. That Zenger, I don't think I told you this, but the art of the Rise of Skywalker book got delayed until March. Again? Did it get delayed again? No, no, it's still March. Okay. Because I was supposed to come out the same day as that other book. Yes, the, dic- the Visual Dictionary. Yes. But the strange thing that happened was about a few days ago, the art of book released in South Korea random but here's the interesting part in the entire book which is like 250 the, the pages, arts all korean no <laughs> but there's not a single image of palpatine in the entire book wow it's like they threw him in at the last moment for no apparent reason or all the art from the book is based on these drafts because in the book from screenshots i've seen on twitter and other social media there's a lot of art of Ray being evil. Like there's there, it's there's a lot of dark side Ray. Like the, like there's a bunch of that sort of stuff. And the most provocative image, there's a shot of Ray holding Kylo Ren's lightsaber up to his neck. Hmm. So I'm starting to think that maybe the initial plot for episode nine, and whether that be Trevorrow's version or JJ's version, was that Ray was gonna become was to go further to the dark side. In Kylo's, they go more toward the light. I can see that. I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to see if I can get some of these images too. I want to see them now. Just go to Star Wars Reddit's leaks page. They're they're all over there. Poe and friends buy a new ship, the Phantom Hawk, from a bearded old man named Phobos, who gives it to them for free because he recognizes Ray Ren. Wait, <laughs> for free. Because he recognizes Ray, Poe, and Finn, and they all hug goodbye. Kylo meets with Hux and is angry that Ray is still alive. He almost kills Hux, as he wants Hux to tell the knights the moment Ray is found. His life depends on it. Ray uses her force powers to help him. So now it seems like he wants to kill Ray again. Yeah, this is all over the place. Ray uses her force powers to help him get out of the docking array. Poe tells Ray to dial down her Jedi look, and she does. They get to Bonadon, where Poe used to live with his grandfather. Okay. Um, a Phantom Hawk arrives in the capital, and Finn wears a disguise. Sorry, R2 has sorry. A co- we need to put in the obligatory. Sure. 
The Phantom Hawk arrives in the capital and Finn wears a disguise. R2 has a code that can help them get through to find the underground resistance army. They come, they come across Dade, the kid from earlier. When they get there, it's empty and troopers attack them. They rush back to the ship as they fight. Now, oh, here's the most interesting part of the script. Ray gets caught up in a drinking contest with aliens. <laughs> what? Yeah, I remember I saw that and I'm like, what? Well, all this is going on. Ray's like, I am really thirsty. She's like, you know what could go? You'll know be really good right now. About drinking contest, twenty shots, and Ray just goes nuts. Um, again, this feels like a lost. Like, you know what? The, the, that seems out of nowhere, but it's the obligatory. Every Star Wars film has to have a bar in it. It does. Also, there's a really cool image of like a ton of star destroyers and a ton of the. Resistance with Ray and Kylo facing off. I just found. Oh sure, yeah. There's a bunch of that stuff. I really enjoy the fact I found like two images of Palpatine's throne, and I'm like, that's just stuff from Revenge of the, I mean, Return of the Jedi. Like they've straight up said that it's just stuff they've reused from Macquarie. Yeah, that's surprising. What are um, they gonna do when they run out of his stuff? Lord, Lord, help us all when they figure it out. <laughs> all right. Finn fights with a trooper whose helmet comes off, and Finn questions him to remember his past before he was taken by the First Order. Finn tells him to get a name and find something worth fighting for. Poe and Ray get to a den and meet Nomi, a tiny alien who listens to Ray's wish to find a planet. Nomi says the Jedi will know the destination, and there the two will meet, the dark and the light. In the vision that Ray's having, she will sacrifice herself to Kylo to save the galaxy. Yeah, very (laughs) very similarly to what happens in the rise of skywalker they have to go to a little alien that tells them where to go and ray has to sacrifice herself to save the galaxy essentially nomi is babu frick and saving the galaxy by ray giving her own life is essentially what happens at the end where palpatine tells her you gotta kill me to save your friends okay i i like to put a pin real quick no one is babu frick but babu frick no. Let me, let me make that clear first. There's only one Babu Frick. There's All only right. one Babu Frick, and he deserves his own own TV show on Disney+. Plus. In the war room, Hux tells Solani Ren that Finn was seen at the Capitol. Kylo approaches and wants to know where Rey is, but Finn won't tell him. Finn jumps in the darkness to escape. So, wait, Kylo now is on the, the Capitol planet? Also, I do kind of like the idea of there being a female villain, but if if only we didn't kill Captain Phasma in the second. Yeah, time. yeah, it's it's like it could have just been fat. It could have just been Phasma. I don't know. I don't know. I, again, Phasma still, I think, is wasted uh, potential in Star Wars. Um, Ray can sense that Finn and the others need help. Poe and Ray escape on a Londo cart through the city area. Then they sail away on a boat. Met by the Knife Nine Knights of Friendship. A kid has a Ray doll and Ray does a force push. Whatever that means. <laughs> Just imagine the kid holds up the Ray doll and she force pushes him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't show it to them. Disney will get you. Exactly. Much like Baby Yoda uh, Etsy toys. Um, Ray finds the Knights of Ren with the force and Poe is hit in the arm. Just, like, just like in The Rise of Skywalker. He gets hit in the arm. Uh. Much like Zenger alluded to earlier, Ray shoots. Oh no! This, this is this is capitalized. Please, um, I can't scream it. You go ahead and do it. 
Ray shoots purple lightning from her fingertips, killing one of the Knights of Ren. <laughs> it's intense, folks. It is intense. Um, <laughs> I like that it's purple. Like, why does it have to be purple? Well, that's the thing I said earlier when they're like, it was red lightning. I'm like, what? Is there a difference between the lightnings? Hold on, wait. Let me check YouTube real quick. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Poe po and Chewie are taken aback by this. Okay, hold on. We need to stop there. Are Poe and Chewie taken aback that she killed somebody or that she didn't kill all of them? I, oh, Please I, comment below with your thoughts. Oh, my God. This thing is so goofy. I, like, that's the sort of stuff that, like, that. Oh, God. All right. Um, this is the part that's the really, I'd say, is the genuinely strangest part in all this. Ray makes Poe leave with Chewie to go help the Resistance. In parenthetical, Finn and Rose. She kisses Poe to make him do this. I really don't think they knew what to do with any of these characters. Well, okay. This is the thing that's interesting. And I know I said this last week, but just to reiterate the point, that at the end of The Last Jedi, when you watch Poe and Ray meet... Clearly something was being set up there. She Daisy Ridley in that sequence, she's being told to smile. Like she I has know, the she biggest could smile grin. in this in this movie. But, but, but actually like, she's not allowed to. But but think about that moment in the end of the last Jedi though, where like Poe comes up to her and he's like, Hi, I'm Poe, and she's like, Hi, I'm Ray. And he's like, I know who you are. And she has this big, like, just like schoolgirl grin. And I remember seeing that for the first time and being like, oh, they're going to do a Poe Ray like thing. And obviously that went nowhere. And I wonder if that was something that Colin Trevorrow asked Ryan Johnson to include. It's just, it's something to think about. Uh, I know I mentioned it, but just think on it, folks. I, I think you might have something there with the whole, like, they were trying to set that. I mean, it's vague enough that, I mean, it can go either way. The whole sure. them being into each other. But. I'm really glad they didn't go that way with it because yeah. I, I don't know. It's just love stories in Star Wars are not something I really put together. I mean, the best one we have is oh, I know you're going to argue with me on this and I don't want to do this, but you know what? Whatever. The best love story we have in Star Wars is, of course, Han ben and Solo in Han yes, and I Leia. I agree. Because the other one, it, I, as I've said before, if you take two chairs and throw them into a room together, that's more intimacy than I saw in that entire couple's relationship the whole time. Oh, but sorry, there is one more couple I need to point out. The ever-present couple of um, Obi-Wan and the High Ground. So wait, wait, the chairs are... Who are the chairs? The chairs are freaking... Um, Padme and Anakin. Yes, that I agree. <laughs> yeah, I'm not joking. Like they have as much chemistry as just two chairs. Are the chairs but, stacked together? But, or are they but, sitting on separate sides? But Zanger, but Zanger, I so deeply and madly in love with you. Ever since <laughs> the first day you came back into my life, I wish I could just wish these feelings away. Now that Fan- is fantastic course. dialogue. <laughs> I love, it. I love it so much. I, it, folks, if you don't, if you don't sweet talk your lady or your romantic partner with 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 those sort, uh, those like sweet talking, you know words, what? I'm I'm gonna tell it to Ellie tonight, and <laughs> I guarantee you, I know her response. 
Did you get hit in the head? <laughs> I can imagine, like, after I'm recording this at, like, midnight, Singer, like, like goes up to Ellie. It's like, you know, sand is so coarse. And it gets everywhere. <laughs> and she's like, were you at the beach today? Were you... <laughs> Where is this coming from? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's uh, the episode two romance is delightful. It's delightful in the in possibly the worst way possible, but it's... Uh, it's oh god. The problem is that it's like charming in the same way that like Tommy was so's character in the room's romance to Lisa is. It's tearing us all apart. I did not hit her. I did <laughs> not. Oh hi Mark. <laughs> oh hi Obi-Wan. <laughs> um yeah. Oh, all right. All right. B- back on uh, episode 9 leaks. Ray needs to stay to face Kylo and end this. She now goes full Jedi with the robes. She talks to Force Ghost Luke about her past, who she really is. Luke says she already knows as she ceases with anger. Uh, sorry, as she ceases with anger. He explains who the Knights of Ren are, former students of his, and that Kylo wanted to be Ray's teacher. Ray is mad because Kylo lied to her. Kylo knows he has to go to the spire to meet with Ray and finish her. He can't let her reach the spire. Finn is stuck in a sludge fighting a monster in the sewer when Dade comes to help him. The underground resistance army is pretty ragged. Chewie knows they need help, so he leads Poe to a cabaret club to meet with Lando. He gets them to a private lounge after telling Poe he flew with his mother. When Lando turns down the offer to help, Poe tells him that his mother was right about him. Oh, Oh, snap. Oh snap! But that's essentially what we got in uh, the Rise of Skywalker until the very end, where Leia yeah. just shows up out of nowhere and he's like, "Hey guys, my bus was late. What did I miss?" <laughs> Leia's dead. Oh crap! <laughs> oh no! All right, Rose is being tortured by Hux in order to get the signature codes for the Dreadnought. Apparently, there's Dreadnoughts all of a sudden. She won't tell them, and Hux is ordered to kill her. I, so I'm just question. trying to figure out how is Hux torturing her. I'm going to do my stand-up routine. Oh, God, no. He's telling her he's the spy. <laughs> but I'm starting to think, the fact that he mentions Dreadnought codes, is it a possibility that this Eclipse Star Destroyer is just a Dreadnought? And they're just using that terminology to just get, like, nerds hot and bothered? So it could be that... <sighs> okay, if we want to maybe that they stole stuff from here, maybe that Dreadnought is the only thing that has the codes to like, it's like the command ship for the other ships. Maybe. Like know, the ships ship? could, yeah. Like, like it's something to where like the, the fleet can move in like unison or something with the codes. And since they stole it, they destroyed the thing that has the codes or I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I clearly, you can tell, I think the, the idea of having a command ship clearly was also ported over into the rise mm-hmm. of Skywalker. With the one first order ship amongst all the star destroyers. All right, um, Ray flies in the Knife Nine Knights of Ren ship and has subliminal subliminal. Ray flies in the Knife Nine and has subliminal flashbacks when she crashed the ship out out in, out of deep space, landing Wait. on Osis. Osis. She made it to the spire. Kylo also has a rough landing in the same place. Finn talks with Dade, who reveals there's a hundred million rustics hiding out, but could fight, and that's what the First Order is afraid of. Finn inspires the room to rise up and resist. His arc is complete from when he was a trooper, then traitor. I like, like to imagine Kylo 
coming in, seeing her crash, and I'm be like, dang, that was pretty bad. And then just slams into like a pole or something, takes off a wing and crashes. They're both doing their their Harrison Ford impersonations. Oh man. Uh, speaking of which, I actually watched the first time Harrison Ford has ever done a voiceover role for a cartoon. Oh, Secret Life of Pets? Yes. It's basically, hey, Harrison Ford's like a dog. <laughs> That's all I got to say on that. Um, <laughs> um, all right. Uh, but going back to the Finn part, the idea of Finn leading like an uprising of a bunch of just of like... That's familiar. cool. Well, no, it kind of... Kind of takes the lead in the in in the rise of Skywalker. He takes the lead though, but the idea of like be, like Finn going from just being like somebody who was running away from the fight in Episode Seven to being somebody kind of just like didn't know which side he belonged on, and then in this like okay, I'm in charge now. I'm, I'm I went from just some like stormtrooper that refused an order to now I am leading an army. That I like. That I, I would have preferred to Finn. Finn got a little bit more of a prominent position other than just let's shoot up the bridge of the star destroyer and try to kill ourselves. Like it's like, I think we mentioned it in the last Jedi discussions we had for the last couple of years, but it seems like anybody in the resistance, just like suicide mission person, everyone's just so willing to die immediately for the cause. It's like, you know, there's ways around this. Not every single mission has to involve you dying. Right. I'm trying to think now in the original Star Wars how many times they had stuff like that happen. I don't think ever. Like, I think there's some instances where it was like, okay, you're going into a fight, and there's a very real possibility you will perish. But I don't know how many plans involved dying in order to accomplish them. Um, The Death Star run, that was a suicide mission. The fact of they were like, hey, you know, you're probably going to die doing this, but, you know, for a reason— I, I think there's a difference oh, though between sorry, yeah, suicide. I think there's a difference though between like a suicide mission and a mission with high odds of dying. Yeah, I mean, like the Haldo maneuver is a suicide mission. Suicide mission. Finn and Jana on the Star Destroyer blowing up the bridge. That is a suicide mission if it weren't for the fact that Lando's there. Getting um, in a plane with Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> Never tell me the odds. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't I feel like that's also kind of prevalent in a lot of other media too right now for some odd reason. Going but, going out on a mission I'll never come back from. And then you come back from it. But like even at the end of the Rise of Skywalker where we see all like we see like that one Haldo maneuver above Endor. Like somebody had to die for that to happen. Like that's like like was it really worth it? Like like you could have just easily blown up the Star Destroyer like, think about it. We saw Bespin Star Destroyer blow up. We saw the, the Jakku one blow up. Like, it's like somebody didn't need to die in order to destroy a Star Destroyer. True. Like, it but. feels like... It feels like, like it feels like like oh, all those different resistance cells. It's like, okay, we're going to do a Haldo maneuver on this ship. I don't know. I think we can storm it and just plant some explosives. No, I'm going to do it. Do, do no. you want to die? <laughs> we, we, we outnumber them 10 to 1. The odds are in our favor. Don't ever tell me the odds. Crashed right through. <laughs> um, all right. Um, okay. Finn was able to help Poe get in contact with Lieutenant Connix and others from the Dreadnought. Ooh. Billy Lord. Oh, okay. I felt like that was somebody I actually knew, and I'm like, mm. 
Maybe. I don't, I don't think Connix's name is ever said. I think she is solely a ancillary, like like ancillary media like character in the sense of like being named by by name. Yep. Poe tells him that they will fly with a uh, hundred pilots and Finn will have a ground game. Ray will get reinforced reinforcements familiar. once she gets the signal out from the spire. That doesn't sound familiar. No. In the Osis Woods, Ray makes her way to the spire when she gets a flashback of her parents leaving her and telling her they will come back. This makes her angry. She slices a tree in half. Does she just randomly get a flashback? I guess. Just walking and all of a sudden, ah, flashback. Kylo walks to the spire as well and sees a house and goes inside to find Han Solo, who talks to him about how he has everything he needs with his family, telling him he can always go back and his mother loves him. Flashback of Han killed by Kylo. So more or less like we got in the film. Wait. Minus the house. Oh, flashback of Han killed by Kylo. Okay. I was like, wait, did he kill the flashback of Han? Can you do that? He impaled the flashback with his lightsaber. Perfect. Very meta, this film. Um, At Remnicor, Finn leads a ragtag resistance attack with the underground army led by Dade. 3PO and R2-D2 help as well. The trooper Finn talked to earlier has joined them and has a name now. Rafe or Rafe. Rafe. By the spot. Yeah, whatever. Sure. Um, by the spire, Kylo and Ray have a face-off. Ray knows he's in pain and alone. He knows she's mad about her life. On Jakku and blames Kylo for killing her family, but he says it was Snoke. Ray pulls out her double saber. Kylo says that Ray was protected. So they so they have a face-off, and then she pulls out her lightsaber. She was using the force lightning, or maybe it's a double blade lightsaber that like. It's a single blade, and you can connect it to make a double blade. So two uh, uh, Who knows at this point? Um, Poe gives the next line command to Dade. To Dade, Poe then goes to fight, in which Poe is instantly outnumbered. They need more pilots. Hux wants to send out undisciplined mercs to keep the peace. Solani <laughs> Ren sees the holocron and gets the dark power, and it doesn't hurt her like it did with Kylo. I guess the 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 lightning is dark power now because we should mention that dark powers dark power is capitalized. I, uh, so I guess Ren still had like some good in him, and that's why it attacked him. Maybe. Since she doesn't, that's why she's able to get the dark power. Sure. Um, Finn inspired the rustics, and they charged the first order. So apparently, even though. Finn rallied the rustics to fight. They're, it, he was leading them as an army. Now they're fighting later. So Finn has two armies. He has to keep rallying them. I guess they're, I guess they're, they're not a very. Um, they, they, they have to be inspired a lot. Okay, I, I got a good one for you, Sanger. You cut Uncle Owen. This ragtag army has a bad motivator. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh god, this is this is goofy. I, I I get it. A lot of this is is the poor wording of it all, but this is this is goofy. Kylo believes that if he kills Ray, there will be no Jedi left. He will control the force. As they fight, Ray cuts his face and it's metallic underneath. Okay. Okay. <laughs> There's nothing else about that in here, and that was the most interesting thing. Also, there's another interesting thing of the he will control the force. I feel like that's that that's an interesting plot beat of the like the less force users, the stronger one can become with it. A la the one with Jet Li. 
Oh my god, now that's that's a reference. <laughs> that Thank is you. okay. Okay. Oh my God, that'd be insane. Colin Trevorrow like watched like the one with Jet Li in like 2001, just furiously scribbling like I'm gonna make a Star Wars movie in like 20 years where I make this a plot point. I'm I'm just saying. I mean, because that's that's what I kind of got out of this by reading that. I'm like, this sounds like the less people use the Force, the one person left becomes stronger with it. I I would be put it past them. That sounds like a Colin Madman Trevorrow idea. But the um, metal the, underneath doesn't make any sense. That I guess he he like if they, they say they put metal on his face, but maybe it's like I, I don't know. But it's I, under I, his skin. Yeah, he's ugh. like a Terminator. He's cybernetic organism. Um, he has right. the emotional range of one. Yeah, <laughs> he <Ow>. smiles. <laughs> when he gets sliced in the face, just goes ow. <laughs> The capital gets hit hard with resistance fire. The fact that they have a stolen dreadnought is key to their success. Chewie is in an X-wing with BB-8, and they crash that's land. Random. That's cool, though. Like it's not. It, it is, and I'd love to see it. But I'm like, that is the most random thing in the world, too. Not really. They need. Think about it. the Falcon is like underwater. Have you ever seen Chewie fly anything but the Falcon? No, and that's why this is funny. Okay, good. I just imagine Ro- he also doesn't fit properly. Like, there's no top on it. It's just him <laughs> like, sticking out of it. He has, he has his goggles on from a solo. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Rose escapes somehow and reveals to Finn that the capital is a ship. Oh, Baby 8 needs to stop the ship from going into hyperspace. So I guess it's kind of like what the droid control ships were in Attack of the Clones. God, this is getting weirder as it goes. Ren slashes Ray after he should. He could have been her teacher. He knocks her down and leaves her for dead. Okay. Okay. I'm assuming this that should have been Ren slash slashes Ray and after says he could have been her teacher. Okay. That's what I'm assuming because it says should. You know what what the weirdest part about this article is? Is that like I get, I get, I'm sorry. Proofread it. Well, clearly, but the weird things like I get rushing a story to get it like out like in time so you can get some clicks to generate some ad revenue for your site. Got no problem with that. We all need to make money. But like after like, I don't know, like a couple hours, we have a like a free moment. Why not just go through this and clean some of it up? Well, because you're having to write your next story. Sure. But like he so he must have known that like this would be a high traffic article, not just for like. A day, like people will be like until we get more information, which could be now, it could be a week, it could be a month, it could be a year from now. People will constantly be coming back to this. So why not just like, and even if he doesn't want to do it, just ask one of the people who work for you, just to clean it up. I think Spellcheck would have even caught that. I, I All right, um, <laughs> Ren destroys the Jedi Temple when Ghost Luke shows up to reason with him. Ray starts Honor to feel Luke some- in this. Yeah, yeah, why not? Um, Ren destroys the Jedi Temple when Luke shows up. Okay, I said that. Ray starts to feel something as Luke does a voiceover about how everyone's connected to the Force. So Rose and Poe feel something and Finn can sense Ray a surge of hope. Ray comes back to fight Ren. He calls her no one. She disagrees. No one is no one. They keep fighting. In the ground fight, 3PO doesn't want to leave R2D2 in battle. Connix is going to retreat as they are taking heavy fire, but they are saved by Lando and a thousand ships. He Sounds came familiar. back. 
Yep, it sounds familiar. Ray has a chance to kill Kylo, but she doesn't. She tries to get Ben to come back. She forgives him. He has to make a choice, a different kind of balance. Solony Ren shows up and grabs Kylo. She's too powerful for Ray to fight off. Ray is beaten down, but when the stone debris is about to crush her, Kylo comes to save her. Ray takes half of her double saber and gives it to Kylo. See, that's why I think yeah. it's something to where like it can be a double blade or two single bladed. Sure. Ones. Well, I guess it. So I guess it's gonna be like the the dark the dark dark Ray dark side Ray in the Rise of Skywalker, where it's like it just like yeah. it bends. You can I guess you can disconnect it. I feel like there's another character that used something like that. I guess Darth Maul because this is just two two lightsabers conjoined together. No, but he's never taken it apart to where like they can sure. do double. I feel like they're maybe it's, Fallen it, Order. It, there's it, an option it, for that. Maybe. Connix tells Poe to do something reckless. <laughs> Poe gives. Yeah, I know, right? Why does he have like, to be told to do something? I feel like it should have been. Don't do this. It's too reckless. I guess they're trying to play with the uh, established tropes. Okay. Um, Poe gives Finn a resistance flag when they are reunited, and Finn waves it. Big character beat. So I guess we don't. So I guess we don't know what the reckless thing is. It's giving him the flag. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, this is the best one. The oiler crashes on the front steps of the barricade. I feel like that was for something else he was writing, and it just got left in. You could take that out. I, I, that what? What's the oiler? Where's the barricade? There's steps. I feel like he was writing a for that upcoming movie about the um, uh, the the Exxon Valdez. Uh oh. Yeah, deep cut references today, people. Um, Solony Ren is about to kill Ray, but Ren takes the hit and dies. Then Ray kills Solony in a rage of necessary darkness. Solony falls dead. As he's dying, Kylo Ren says that Ray's name is Solana. Ray Solana. What does that mean? Does it does it matter? Is it a thing? Who knows? But like my question is, is there any sort of lineage between Solani and Solana? Yeah. Almost dead, Ray knows she has to climb the Jedi Spire. Clawing her way up, she enters the Force Base Transmissions Tower. A lot of stuff is moving around Ray with kyber crystals. She sends her message out to the galaxy with Ray as a projection saying her full name, Ray Solana, telling everyone that hope is not lost. Once Boss, again, it feels like that means something. Yeah. Uh, Bosk is at a den when he sees the projection and wants to join. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Bosk is just bored. He's like, yeah, sure. Arr. Hux learned that they don't have the ships to attack the capital because they are tied up elsewhere since Ray sent out the message. They are outnumbered three to one. Rose is able to escape the capital before she crashes into the sun. <laughs> what? I feel like Rose has the most out there. Like, like out of nowhere, she's telling Poe to... No, that was Connick's. Like, what is Rose doing this? Like, she escapes from being tortured. She's trying to blow up the shipyards. Then she's... Crashing the capital into the sun? <laughs> Something's being crashed into a sun. It's best not to ask. Um, Finn can tell Ray is alive. Luke tells Ray that she is a Jedi, but not the last. He will never leave her. Life returns to her. Ray glows and wonders aloud if she's dead, but, te- but Yoda tells her there is no death with Jedi. But Ray is not finished. 
at a ceremony, Chewie gets a special medal. The it friends wonder familiar. if Ray is the friends wonder if Ray is really gone. So wait, how'd they win the battle? They crashed it into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> they cra- something got crashed into the sun and they won. Hux's so ego. <laughs> Chancellor yeah, Hux's ego. That, that, that is, was, that was the is Hux the alive? Is Hux even alive still? No, I think he died. I'm, I'm assuming. I'm assuming. Doesn't say he's he dead. Doesn't say I'm, he's dead. You know what? I'm reading between the lines here. He dead. Sure. Um, Lando has a moment with three PO R two D two about coming back to life, and Lando is touched to see a flood of memories that they had. So who came back to life? R two D two, I guess. Lando. Sure. <laughs> this is so incoherent. Like I'm not even mad anymore. Like, in all honesty, like if this was an actual film, I'd be kind of happy with this. Like, like if this was actually, like I know it's not. I know this is just filmed like, exactly of, like, the se- the way it's written. Okay, okay. Uh, I want to make a point. Okay, Sanger, please remind me once we're finished with this, which we only have maybe like five or six bullet points to do. But there's something I want. Br- I have an idea that I think we need to spend. If we do create, we have to create a Patreon or a Kickstarter for this. But I'll wait till the end. But remind me. All right. Um, Finn reads a story to the young kids. And they ask if they really think Ray is gone. Finn believes she's alive because of the Force. Poe and Poe and Chewie are flying, and they find a beacon on a planet. Ray is on the Wave It planet, pulling the Falcon out of the icy water. Last shot is Ray returning to the Jedi School to teach young kids. What? <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, so Ray went from being on the spire on Osis to then randomly appearing on the ocean planet again, lifting the Falcon out of the water. But once somehow she got there, but once she's there, she needs help, so she calls Chewie and Poe. And like, is there romance between Poe and Ray? Like, there's it's, it's like. What is going on? Help. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't want to blame Colin Madman Trevorrow because, again, I've said it a dozen times now. Like, there's so much just befuddled language here. But at the same time, though, like, even like in broad strokes, this doesn't really feel satisfying as like a final film. It feels more just like another like Star Wars story. It reads like, I don't know about you, Zenger, this feels like glorified fan fiction. It does, because as much as people might complain about Rise... I mean, th- this has some interesting stuff in it, but I feel like the final product we got but with Rise was better. So I think we're it kind honestly, of interpreting stuff. I think everything that we like find amusing about this it like stems from a place of morbid curiosity. Yeah. Like, none of this seems like, it's like, at the end of the day, I don't think anybody would want to see this. Is like, oh, I can't wait to see this. This is the final product. It'd be like, oh, this is interesting. As like a weird, like, what if story in like the world of Star Wars of things went very differently. I can agree with that. The point I just wanted to, to bring up was, I, met, I this was, I forget what it was. I remember hearing about this some time ago, that there used to be, it, it could very well still exist, I don't know. But there was a company. I think it was like a porn, like a, a porn production company. That this is going could, places. Well, hold on a sec. You could send them a script, and they would uh, reenact any, or they would act out whatever story you told them to do for a fee. 
So I would like to send them this and have them act out this version of Star Wars Episode Nine. My God. That's what I want to see. Like, there's nothing sexual. I just want to straight up see this in live action. Perform like the only stage direction, the only script is what you have in these what? 95 bullet points. <laughs> Dibs on you know what? What's what's uh Tommy Wiseau doing? Tommy Wiseau's I, Star Wars episode nine, written <laughs> by Colin Trevorrow. It's perfect. I mean, I can see elements that carried over, but I can also be like, I don't know where they were trying to go with any of this. The problem, though, is like, a lot of this also feels like fan fiction. It just feels like, like, I, like, obviously, we didn't get this, so clearly the powers that be at Lucasfilm and Disney were like, no, no. And plus, the rumor has always been that, like, after Carrie Fisher passed away, Disney ordered, like, a page one rewrite on Colin Trevorrow's episode nine. And I've always heard that he struggled with that. He could never g- get over that like hill of having to completely retool his story after spending so many years working on his earlier iterations of it. And this, um, this is something that John Justice brought up: is that the problem with Star Wars is there is you one folk one person needs to take the reins and be the the driving force, like Lucas. And that's why we're having all these like creative differences, all this stuff going on. It's because it's it's too disjointed, and I agree with him on that. But Star Wars like, at times is too disjointed. I mean, this whole thing we just read is the most disjointed thing. But the weird thing about this, though, is like, why even have the character Solani Ren? It's never explained who they who it is. That's what I mean. But like, someone there's someone who's a force user. It seems. Well, yeah, like, like they're apparently a knight of Ren. And where are they? Do they even die? Ray kills her. I thought she kills. No, she kills Solani, and that's it. She and she kills what? One other one with purple. Oh, oh the the knights themselves. Yeah. Maybe. Like she, it says that she kills one with the purple lightning, and, and then, then Chewie and Chewie and uh, and Poe are taking. Are taking, are taking her back, and we don't know if that's from her only killing one of them or from the fact that she killed one of them. Or killing with purple lightning. So, like, if she used blue lightning, it would have been like, okay, this is this is pretty cool, but purple, eh, eh, eh. But, like, even too, at one point at the end, like, during the battle with Solani Ren, like, it says, like, oh, Ray only is only able to defeat her while embracing, like, like the necessary dog. rage. And it's like, that's that's a pretty big thing. The fact that like, like our heroine has to do that to win. Well, it seems like there's a ton of stuff being set up for like, why is she, you know, what's this darkness in her? And it's just kind of like, that doesn't get resolved. Like just Luke and, um, and Yoda are like, eh, you're good. But the weird thing too, is that like, there is like fan service here, like in the form of like the Kuat shipyards, the Eclipse Star Destroyer. But we really don't see Anything else that's like really fan servicey? Like we don't get like anything that you would expect from Disney in like current like what people expect from like movies Massive of this caliber. Rights. I don't know, but like you expect, considering that this draft apparently came later than the previous one, it's the idea like you expect like more like fan servicey stuff, like blatant, like again, Zenger, like 
99% of Star Wars fans, not Star Wars fans, 99% of people who go see these movies would have no idea what the Kuat shipyards are. True. I mean, I have to kind of think every now and then about stuff like that. That's what I mean. So, like, something like that is, like, so, so niche, even for hardcore fans. Like, that's the thing that makes it so weird. Like, it comes across as just, like, somebody wanting to do something different, but just not knowing how to do that effectively. I can say that. And even like you said, there's like there's some really novel ideas here, but it feels like I, I, again, it feels more like a book. Like if somebody said like, "Oh, there's a book that takes place between episodes eight and nine, and this I is like can, a plot." You know what? I agree with you. I can definitely see this being more of a book that that that, that took place just to give it, I guess, more breathing room. Yeah, I could see this almost being like I could see them maybe in a couple years adapting this script. Into like a new form of like Shadows of the Empire, where it's like, oh, between episodes eight and nine, Kylo Ren sends off his new like apprentice, Solani Ren, to confront Rey. And Rey, like in a fit of rage, defeats her and it concerns everybody. And that would still work with all the content, I mean, everything going on anyway. Hmm. That's what I mean. Like, it seems like something like, oh, at one point, like the Resistance steals like a First Order, like Star Destroyer, and Poe crashes it. That sounds like something Poe would do. And Finn tries to like lead a ragtag group of like like people on a planet and like it fails. Something like that. Like I could see them like tweaking this and it showing up as like a comic book or a a book. Cause I I could never see them doing anything else with this besides those two things. I, I think Star Wars is gonna become very interesting over the next few years with stuff like this. My question though, considering like all the Star Wars media is planned out like months, years in advance. Considering that we have at least three years until the next Star Wars movie, I think I think it's gonna be longer. I wouldn't be surprised if they push Star Wars back until like twenty twenty five. Is there gonna be like a huge push in like other media? Like, do you think we're gonna get like a lot more books? Like, I I think we've mentioned it. Like, Star I, Wars Resistance ends like in a couple months. Are we gonna get like a new cartoon series, or I'm sorry, animated series that's gonna be revolving around like Luke's Jedi Temple days or the adventures of like Ray, like Finn and Poe between episodes eight and nine? I think we need to start relying on that to get content. I think that that's where the be- some of the best content's gonna come from for the foreseeable future is from like. Smaller projects, smaller stuff like books, comics, and of course the shows. I think that they need to take a step back from the movies for a while. Because then, of course, when they bring it back, it will be a big thing. But, well, like, okay, there was an article from uh, Scott Mendelson of Forbes, who's now like the, the universal punching bag for people who are happy with Star Wars right now. And he had, a, and I know everybody's mad, Scott Mendelson. Because he keeps calling the rise of Skywalker a financial disappointment, and uh, I I 100% agree with that assessment. It, it is. Hey, uh, on a positive note, it's not Doolittle. <laughs> you want to know a really fun fact about Doolittle? It sucks. Yes, but apparently there's a sequence in there where there's a dragon, and the dragon tells Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. The reason why I'm so like cranky is that I swallowed a knight in shining armor whole, and now I'm constipated because the armor is stuck in my butt, and can you help me get it out? So Robert Downey Jr. goes in the dragon's butt and pulls out the thing, and then the dragon lets out a giant fart in his face. 
That's a scene in the movie. Zenger, do you want to guess how much that movie costs to make? I don't even want to know. It's more money than you and I can even comprehend. I I just want to have that on like a on like demand. So if I ever ever pitch a movie, pitch anything, I'll be like, "This happened." Pitchman Zenger's there and just starts laughing. He's like, "See, oh, right, guys, I'm out." <laughs> even Pitchman Zenger's like, "No, nope. yeah, he, exactly." Nope. He's like, wait, you're gonna do what now? <laughs> oh, you gotta have some good ideas for that. Nope. <laughs> uh, I'm done. Yeah. I'm out. But no, going back to the Rise of Skywalker, is it like Scott Mendelson had a very, I think, astute observation about Star Wars going forward? Is that like it feels like now that the sequel trilogy is over and there's really there's no movies on the horizon. There's there's nothing in like official pre-production. Um it feels like Star Wars is in the exact same place it was in before like right after Revenge of the Sith. It feels so aimless okay right like it's like i feel like the same way i felt in like god like may of 2006 like when it came to star wars like yes like we do have like we have resistance we have clone wars but like clone wars is like lame duck it's all stuff that they had been working on like years ago they're just kind of finishing up they're not producing anything new they're just finishing what they started and we have resistance coming to an end. And yes, we are going to get announcements in the coming like months. But it just feels like Star Wars is right back in another one of those time periods that every fan has been in before. Whether it be the people like in nineteen eighty, like nineteen eighty five, where like okay, the action figure like line is like dead, and then it's the same thing that happened like in two thousand six, where it's like okay, I guess Star Wars. Like as a big thing is over for right now, like it just feels that way. And then not to say I, I do think Star Wars needs to take a break. I'm not saying that like it should be, it should be the Marvel thing where we get 17 movies a year, but it just feels like Star Wars ended, or at least this this particular era of Star Wars ended on a whimper. Like whereas like I, even though people weren't thrilled with the Turn of the Jedi in 1983, I think there was kind of you know I wasn't alive then. It was the idea that like okay, at least, like, okay, the, the bad guys lost, the good guys win, all's well that ends well, yub-nub, dun-dun, like, like <laughs> there's that. And then, like, Revenge of the Sith is over, and the prequels are done, and say what you will about those films, but Revenge of the Sith does a fantastic job of perfectly clicking into A New Hope. And then we have the end of The Rise of Skywalker, and I think Zenger said it, I'm gonna say it now, I still love the film, but it just kind of feels like Okay, it's like it, oh, so. What's going to happen now? It doesn't feel. It doesn't have that sort of like satisfying conclusion. It feels more bittersweet than it should. Like, where does Star Wars go from here? Like, you know, I, mean, I know that's probably we probably could do an entire month on that as a concept. But like, where does Star Wars go from here? Episode ten is like at least a decade plus away. I mean, unless and, they get really desperate. I, I don't think episode ten's the answer because it, it's too soon. You, you have to you have to let the kids like your daughter Zenger and more your like your your middle daughter's ages. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that have to start having like their own discretionary income before they revive Ray Poe and Finn. They can't they they have to wait for the, much like how 
by the time the sequel trilogy was started, I was an adult with discretionary income. They yeah. have to wait and like let the generation that grew up with these films age appropriately. Then they'll go back to them. Even with that being said, it's like even this whole idea of the High Republic, I I don't see how that's exciting. Like, I, I, sure, it's a Star Wars film. I'm I'm gonna be there. Like, I, I will always be there opening night. But I don't think it's a type of thing that's going to sit there get people excited. It's got me lukewarm. Exactly. And, and we're two people talking about a Star Wars, uh, uh, what's the word, alternate reality script on a Sunday night. That's the weird thing about Star Wars right now. Is like I don't want to say the future feels bleak, but Disney hasn't given me anything that makes me say, wow. Like, coming out of Revenge of the Sith in 2005, it was like, you wow. You don't have any hope. <laughs> oh man um, there. You come out of Revenge of the Sith And even though that film is a very Very like dour ending Because it has to be You do feel like pumped up after seeing Like the Anakin Obi-Wan duel Like think about it like every Star Wars fan Always knew like That had to happen like I think Lucas always said like even in interviews back In the 80s like people would ask him Being like oh so how did Darth Vader become Darth Vader and he's like well, um, he got burned by lava and he had to wear a suit to survive. And it's like, well, how do you get like burnt by lava? Uh, uh, Obi-Wan and him fought once. And like that. And so it's like, okay, you have like 20 years of hype built into one action sequence and say what you will about again, revenge of the Sith, but that duel between Obi-Wan and Anakin does not disappoint. It, it packs no, it the punch. Not. It has to. And we, didn't really get that in the rise of skywalker like as much as i like the idea of of ray like like uh what's it dual dual okay what would you say double handing the lightsabers back at palpy that's i like that but it's like that's not really as grandiose and epic as one would expect after upping the ante for 40 years when it comes to Star Wars films. Like, in all honesty, like, if you were to rank Star Wars climaxes, like, objectively, I'm not saying matter of preference, but, like, just a sheer thing of just, like, like oh, God, on many factors, on, on multiple, like, metric levels, or, I'm sorry, on multiple metrics, it's, like, it feels almost as, like, Boring as the Attack of the Clones climax of like Anakin Obi Wan versus Dooku, like it's cool in the moment when you're watching it, but I don't know how that sequence is going to play out when I'm watching it on my like 40 inch TV in a couple years. It doesn't. It doesn't. I don't know. There's something weirdly hollow about the Rise of Skywalker. Like now that the film is starting to settle in for me, it just feels like. This wasn't the way to end Star Wars for at least a couple years. It seems like there's a whole nother plot going on, or so. I, I I do agree with you. That I feel like there's an there's a void in that that movie. Yeah, and I and yes, like I, it's it's. I still think the film was meddled a lot in, in, in multiple layers of its production. I I don't think a J.J. Abrams cut exists because I don't think. He he's the type of filmmaker to have a very specific vision. I think his vision's always evolving, so there's never one specific thing that was designed from the get-go that somebody ruined. But 
I don't know. This just it just feels odd. The fact that JJ was so defensive, or what's the word? He was so lackadaisical, like right out of the gate. Like the film's barely out for twenty four hours, and people are like, "So what do you think about all the criticism?" He's like, "Eh, whatever they want to think, it's fine." And it's like that's weird to not defend your film, like as soon as it's released. I don't know. Like I, maybe they put something in his contract. It, you either must defend it wholeheartedly or not give a crap. Yeah, but it's just, it's odd. He's like, okay, I know it's what I'm doing. I think of all the directors in Hollywood that are being, like, interviewed, like, after their film, like, kind of gets, like, a mixed reaction. It's rare for them to be, like, I, I, I think about it. And I get it. He's trying to be, like, witty and clever. But the idea, like, oh, like, the, like, the, the naysayers are right. And he knew that was going to become a head. The moment he said that, he must have known that was going to become a headline. And he wouldn't have said that any, like, otherwise. Like, I don't know. Like, again, I still, I still love The Rise of Skywalker, but it's just something about it that just, there's something odd about it. That isn't sitting right with you. Yeah. And not because, like, I dislike it. Like, I, again, as somebody who hosts an entire podcast about cinematic oddities, it's the notion of just because something's goofy and clunky doesn't mean you can't love it. But at the same time, if it's clunky and just jarring, you can't claim it's objectively perfect. True. And that's kind of the weird catch-22 with Star Wars, is that maybe it's like the fan base grows older, we have to come to terms with the idea that, that not everything can be black and white. Mm. And maybe this is the film to finally kind of show us all that like Star Wars can be clunky yet be enjoyable. I, I feel like there was a question mark on the end of that sentence. I, well, it's true. I don't have an answer. I'm just some guy on the internet that likes to talk about Star Wars. As am I. All right, Zach, that be- on this is the okay. script was really weird. And I would <laughs> like to have seen some of it. I If there's any way I can get pieces of this that were actually filmed or used, then they changed it. I would love to see that. Zenger, many months ago, I once said I would chop my left arm for the Colin Madman Trevorrow script. Um, after reading this like horribly butchered outline, would you say I'm wrong in making that initial uh, comment? I hope you're not left-handed. But come on, this this script isn't like. Can you imagine how insane this must be to actually read the script? Like we're not even getting any dialogue. Yeah, it's just plot points and plot beats. And apparently, and even that's vague. And apparently, on top of the script that Rob and I covered last week, and beyond just this, there's another script out there that was written by that wasn't written by Trevorrow, and that's the one where like Ray. Ray knew Kyle knew Ben Solo as a kid because Ray's mother was like a house cleaner and they both grew up what? together. Okay, I'm Are you gonna tap out? I'm I'm tapping out on that one. Yeah, it's uh and plus apparently we never even got the like, on top of these three scripts, there's still the idea of the hand touching pregnancy. That I was wondering where of, that one was, and then the Mortis one too. There's the Mortis one. Yep, I think that's the previous one. That's the one Rob and I talked about last week. Okay, but still, it's like, this is like and I get it. Every like, even like uh, when you go through those J.W. Rensler original trilogy like coffee table books, I know there's a lot of like evolution in the scripts from like A New Hope, Empire, Jedi. Like I'm not saying it's not. Like I'm not saying it's unusual that this film went through so many iterations. I just find it fascinating that like with most Star Wars scripts, they usually start from like A 
and they evolve into like, okay, they do different. Like, you can tell where they came from, from that initial like germ of an idea. And with this, it seems like every script kind of like rewrote the rules of the film and they pulled certain elements they just found interesting. Speaking of stuff I found interesting, I want to point this out since we're kind of wrapping up. Apparently, the rumor going around that Matt Smith's character was supposed to be just the young Palpatine. That that's apparently who he was supposed to play. But it doesn't make sense if that whole storyline, like Palpy being a part of this, wasn't something that had been... Because there's the Mortis thing. I don't know. I mean, I could vaguely see him as a young Palpatine. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, didn't know if you if you had seen that or heard that. I had read that Matt Smith is supposed to play like like the son of Mortis. Like I said, I just I've seen things and not to mention, but a certain person on um, uh-uh. YouTube has that as an image for his um, episode discussing how Palpatine became a Sith in his childhood. Is that where you got Matt that Smith. from? No, I've I've seen it on there, but I got it from other. There's another article oh, okay. I read that had it in there too. I just happened to be. Xing out of a few windows I had opened and stumbled across that oh, okay. image, and it clicked in my head of like, oh wait, that's right. Ugh. Yeah, I I don't know. I I, I can, uh, but once again, Star Wars isn't big on flashbacks. Yeah, but I think that's changing now. That would have to be flashing back to him as like substantially younger, like pre prequels, younger. Sure. And what 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 would that have to do with anything? I guess points anyone's guess. What he's sitting there, he's like, I will clone myself. Yeah, it could be a young clone. We do know that the Dark Empire like comic series was an inspiration for some of this. Yeah, so it's possible. Like I really, I, I clearly they, who knows about the entire arc of the sequel trilogy, but it seems like this film was the most rudderless of all the of the sequel trilogy. So rudderless that Disney reveals how Kylo Ren was supposed to duel Darth Vader in the original Episode Nine script. What's the original Episode Nine script? Because as we've just gone over, what, there's three of them we're just talking yeah. about right now? Yeah. yeah. And none of those had that? Yeah, they did. The one that we did last week does. See, this is why when you cut Zinger out of an episode, he's going to make a ton of comments that it's retroactively okay. make him look like a jackass. No, it's not your fault. It's my fault, Singer. Yeah. Um, all right. With that <laughs> being said, the same boat. we're all in the same boat. Uh, we're, we're in the, the Millennium Falcon pose. It sinks underwater because Ray left the porthole open. That's how it happened. Ray, don't open the cockpit. Oh, wait. No, he does have a video on here. Young Palpatine scene reportedly deleted, and it shows Matt Smith. God, YouTube is a mess. I wish no, I wish this, this channel's a mess. YouTube is a mess. All right. All right. So concludes this episode of the Knights of Vader, a Star Wars podcast. Check out our Facebook group, type in Knights of Vader into Facebook, and you will find us there waiting for you. Look for us on Instagram at KOV Podcast. Shoot us an email, KOV Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. Check out the show notes to hear more from them. Interested in a Knights of Vader t-shirt? For $22, you too can rep your favorite third-rate Star Wars podcast. Click a link in the show notes and you will find all the details on owning a shirt of your own. They're very nice. Yes, Zenger has one and can attest to the quality. Mm-hmm. For questions, comments, concerns, or snipe remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter. 
at Cinemodis. You can also find me on the Cinemodis podcast where Rob and I will be celebrating the centennial episode of Cinemodis where we discuss 2018's The Mortal Engines. Everyone's favorite film starring Hester Shaw. Isn't that that movie where it's just a ton of cities rolling around? Yes. Traction cities. And battling each other? Yep. And there's a wall. And Hugo Weaving wants to destroy the wall. Oh, man. Of course Hugo Weaving's in this. Who was I kidding? Hugo Weaving as literally every character you've ever seen him play as before. Oh, perfect. So does he need the codes to um, get into... So I say Alderaan. I'm like, no, that's not it. Does he need the codes to get into Zion? No, he needs he needs the codes to Medusa, which will blow up the wall that will get him into a city. Okay. So so yes. <laughs> Perfect. All right, Zanger. So when you're not uh, being put in a horrible position to be made look like a jackass, what are yeah. you up to? Um, I mean, that's that's my normal position in life. But anyways, um, you can of course find me talking about nerdy topics every week over on the Zingness podcast. And on top of that, I would like to point out to the faithful listeners of Knights of Vader, you should also check out the Zingness Twitch channel, which I will eventually, hopefully, be doing some playthrough of Battlefront 2, the story mode, because I never have played it on the Xbox, and since someone forced me to get it on the Xbox, I figured it would be fun to go back through it since I've already played it and discuss how the plot works, stuff like that, whether any of this matters now in this day and age, because I feel like there's some plot points in there that got left far far behind now with everything that's happened in star wars because that came out what 2016 17 okay still still a little ways back so i'm sure that there's stuff in there that maybe digging through that might reveal some stuff to us yep and apparently anyway. there's rumors going around that Ian versio might be in the mandalorian season two so oh yeah she would be good old Janina, oh gosh what was her name janina garoppolo Gar- no that's not right but sure let's go with it (laughs) you can give wrong names when i do it and it's a thing i like no it's not just a wrong name it's a wrong person perfect all righty everybody good night but not goodbye and as always which i do the honor sanger remember Alderaan, down with the empire thank you sanger you don't need a soundboard when you got me 